The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. The aggregate of mental formations, but just to put it into context, because it's been a couple weeks, so um, kind of as a reminder of the arc of what we've been exploring. So, um, the kind of the overall arc that we've been exploring has been wise mindfulness. And in the um, Buddhist teachings on wise mindfulness, he, we, he talks about four foundations of mindfulness, mindfulness of body, mindfulness of feeling, mindfulness of mind states, and mindfulness of phenomena, this fourth foundation, mindfulness of phenomena. And the, the language is something just in the, in the bare description of the fourth foundation. It's one observes, abides observing phenomena as phenomena, ardent, mindful, and alert. And so the phenomena as phenomena is, it encompasses all of our experience. And yet within that teaching, he points to looking at phenomena from particular perspectives. So looking at it from the perspective of, is it hindrances arising or not? Is it, is there, are there, um, um, what, what are you noticing about the aggregates, the aspects of experience of the five aggregates being body, feeling, perception, mental formation, and consciousness. And these, these five aggregates arise in every moment. And so it's not that we're like looking at only a small aspect of our experience and looking at the aggregates. It's just looking at it through the framework that the Buddha was talking about. This framework of how our mind and body processes work. One way to describe our mind and body processes working. And there's some other um, other um, perspectives the Buddha encourages us to look at through this fourth foundation. He encourages us to look at experience through the perspective of the six sense bases, through the perspective of the seven factors of awakening, and through the perspective of the Four Noble Truths, along with the hindrances and the, the five aggregates. And so with each of these, there's instructions to attend to experience, and recognize, for instance, in the hindrances to recognize, is a hindrance present or not? So is, is sense desire present or is sense desire not present? So some of the, um, the, the instructions in the fourth foundation have that quality of noticing whether they're present or not. With the aggregates, it's not quite is an aggregate present or not because they're all happening, but to, to recognize them to recognize the aggregates. So the, the instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta for the aggregates is, so how does one abide observing phenomena as phenomena in terms of the five aggregates? One understands this is material form, or this is body sensation. This is the arising of material form. This is the ending of material form. This is feeling. 
pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. This is how feeling arises. This is how feeling ceases. This is perception, the recognition of experience, the, 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 the recognition part of perception being the process of our mind that recognizes experience in the present moment, that recognizes this is, you know, recognizing objects, for instance. So the process of perception helps us to navigate the world of experience. Um, allows us to walk across a room and not run into couches and tables, but to, to recognize those are objects that have a kind of solidity to them so that we navigate around them. So perception is a, a process that helps us to recognize what's in the world around us. And so recognizing this is the process of perception at work. This is how perception arises. This is how perception ends for around a particular perception. Mental formations. This, these are mental formations. Mental formations comprising the uh, a wide range of mental experience, including all of what we call emotions, what we call mind states. So things that we might not call emotions, but we understand as a state in the mind, such as boredom. We might not call boredom an emotion exactly. Um, but it's a state in the mind. Um, concentration is a, a state in the mind that we can recognize. So those are the, so the, the mind states is broader than what we typically think of as emotions. And then thoughts also um, connected with mental formations. So mental formations is a huge area of what happens to us in our present moment. And so the Buddha encourages us to recognize this is mental formation. This is a process of mind at work, a mental formation at work. This is how it arises and this is how it ends. And then the fifth aggregate, consciousness. And we'll talk about that in a few weeks. <laughs> um, uh, the fifth aggregate, consciousness, is just the, the kind of bare kind of uh, knowing that a sense base has been contacted. So there's um, six kinds of consciousness, a consciousness connected with seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, and a consciousness connected with stuff happening in the mind. And it's just this kind of recognition of, yep, seeing is happening, hearing is happening, smelling is happening. Not, not necessarily knowing or understanding how that um seeing feels or what that seeing is, those are the, the processes of feeling and perception that interweave with consciousness to have us recognize and feel what's happening. So the Buddha, the Buddha um, kind of teased apart our experience into these five processes, but these five processes weave together kind of seamlessly for us in some ways that, you know, when we see something, so there's the the, the, the eye and the, the eye sees. So that's form. That's, that's body. So there's the eye and there's something out there that's, you know, the eye, um, receiving light rays. That's also understood to be form, the light rays. So light rays are actually physically contacting the eye, contacting the retina. That's contact. And so the, there's the eye, uh, which is form and the, um, um, the contact there, that creates the seeing, or it's just like that's there's a knowing. 
So there's a knowing that they're seeing happening. And then that sight is kind of processed or recognized as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And it's recognized. So that's feeling the, rec- the, the kind of that, that felt, the, the sight being felt as pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. That's the process of feeling. And then it's perceived or recognized as some object, perhaps, um, a couch, a wall, a lamp, a person, a landscape can be small objects, big objects. So there's a recognition that happens. So there's the, the, the form, the, the eye and the eye, the, the light rays. And then there's the feeling and the perception and the knowing that happen, all of that happening together. And with that also, there's usually some thinking that happens, a little bit of response that happens with that. We like certain things. We don't like other things. Those feelings arise, perhaps. So that, that, that in a moment, in a moment, all five of these aggregates are happening already. We don't have to make them happen. They are happening. But the Buddha is encouraging us to get to know these happenings, to recognize that they are at work, and to begin to understand them, again, through the perspective here. So the fourth foundation encouraging us to get to know our experience through the perspective of these are five processes working to create what we are experiencing. So that's an encouragement, not just because the Buddha thought it was a good idea or, you know, it's, it's not just because, you know, for, for no reason. The, the purpose here very much, the teaching of the five aggregates is very connected with an under, um, with the understanding that as we see these processes as processes, so we see that there is this process of body that's being contacted, and then there's a feeling process and a perceiving process, recognizing what's happening, and the knowing that knows there's been a contact, and then the responding that happens to that. As we see that at work, we begin to see that there's been, that there is Another process at work in there, in the mental formations area, actually, um, that is attributing a sense of I or me or mine to these processes. That has kind of misunderstood what's happening, these processes unfolding, a natural kind of outcome of having this human body with these sense receptors being contacted and having this brain, this mind that kind of receives and massages and presents information to this mind and body. All of this just processes at work. And we don't typically understand our experiences as processes at work. We understand it as I am doing something. I am I am a thing. I am uh, kind of in charge of, of what's happening here. And so this exploration around the aggregates begins to, so this perspective that the Buddha is offering to observe our experience in terms of the five aggregates. And that's the instruction with this particular um, teaching in the Satipatthana Sutta. We understand phenomena as phenomena in terms of the five aggregates. So there's phenomena happening and we recognize it as there's feeling happening, there's mental formation happening, there's form happening, body sensations happening. 
And then in seeing that, it begins to undermine or we begin to actually see that that's all happening, influencing conditioning itself, the processes conditioning each other, interweaving, informing each other. And we start to see that the idea of a sense of self in there is just an idea. And there's no, there's no, uh, they're there with respect to the sense of self. And the reason why that is so useful is because so much of our distress in our lives happens in relationship to this sense of self. I want, I need, um, I'm being dismissed. I'm, I'm not getting what I want. I feel like I should have control. I don't have control. The, the suffer, so much of the suffering that we experience comes because we misunderstand our experience. And so this perspective helps us to understand our experience in a new way that begins to undermine the ways in which we cling to experience and that clinging creates suffering. So we've been exploring each of these aggregates individually uh, over the last few weeks and thought to talk about the volitional formations today. To me, this is, um, this is a hugely impactful area of exploration. Volitional formations, as I said a few minutes ago, it, it includes volitional formations being the, a large chunk of what happens in our minds. Those emotions, all those emotions, many, many mental activities. And the reason for the, the word volitional um, is that it, these are mental activities that include some form of volition, choice, or intention. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are consciously choosing in these activities. Uh, in these activities of mind. So it doesn't mean that I am deciding to have this thing come up, for instance, like we all know that we can become frustrated or um, angry or confused, not because we are deciding that, but because there are conditions happening in our lives, in our worlds, um, conditions happening inside and out that shape that that confusion or that frustration or that anger. And so the mental formations are shaped themselves by prior conditions. And we know, we, 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 we understand this in many ways, you know, the, the ways in which we were trained or in which we, we were conditioned as children, the ways that we were treated, the things that we did, what we, what happened to us that has shaped certain habits and patterns. And those habits and patterns tend to come up when certain conditions arise. Um, so for myself, um, you know, when something unpleasant arises, my mind kind of the habit of my mind is to orient to the unpleasant to try to fix it. To get rid of it. And so some people in, in experiencing something unpleasant don't orient to the unpleasant to try to fix it. They orient, they look at that and they go, well, let's look at something pleasant instead. So, you know, so some minds do very different things with that. And, and that a lot of that comes from prior conditioning. 
but we we all understand that we have this habit these habits and these conditions so our um our mental formations are shaped by the past all of these emotions what we think um how we feel um emotionally how we feel not the pleasant unpleasant neutral that is also shaped all of these aggregates are shaped by prior conditioning but the volitional part of volitional formations is not so much that they have been shaped but that they are the engine of further shaping so when we have some uh, a volitional formation arise um including the emotional um activities the um mind states like mindfulness concentration equanimity love those are also mental formations so not only thinking about we we I think we often think about this category of emotions um in terms of our reactive emotions and um but there's also the whole host of wholesome emotions and wholesome mind states that um that are also in this in this category thoughts also have the um have a kind of a shaping power in our minds so these these volitional formations our are um arising you know we we haven't necessarily decided i am going to have this state arise so it's not necessarily my conscious choice to have frustration happening but when frustration is arising it tends to shape our experience when anger is arising it tends to shape how we experience things and so this is what is meant by intentional or volitional it has this power to act to shape our experience so that's why they are called volitional formations they 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 tend to so for instance with with something like um anger arising um when anger's arising our mind tends to choose certain to pay attention to certain things to um say certain things to hear certain things so there's a there's a kind of a choosing that happens within that mind state even if we're not consciously doing it we all are familiar with that sense of like when we're angry just like something blurting out of our mouths and we didn't like we didn't we were even thinking i shouldn't say something and then here it here it is it's out of the mouth so it's it's the understanding in the way volitional formations work is it's the anger that chose to do that anger so the 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 uh, volitional power of anger shaped that action so this is a hugely important area of exploration precisely because it is this shaping the shaping quality um i'm trying to decide so i'll talk a little bit i'll talk a little bit about I want to leave some time for questions and comments so I want to just kind of do a, a kind of an overview here um talk a little bit about how we recognize volitional formation so what does it mean to uh follow those instructions of the satipatthana sutta and understand or recognize this 
is a mental formation. This is the arising of a mental formation. This is the ending of a mental formation. So what does that mean? Um, so with, a, with respect to a particular mental formation, we recognize it. We understand that it is happening. So when frustration is arising, we recognize this is the experience of frustration. We don't, we don't necessarily, the instructions in the Satipatthana don't say when certain mental formations are arising, try to stop having them. It just says, know that they are there. And there is a power to that knowing. There is a power to that awareness with wise awareness, with the, the kind of mindfulness that we're cultivating here, being aware of, oh, this is happening. Frustration is arising. And this is how it is experienced as a human experience. It impacts the body in this way. It impacts feelings in this way. It creates thoughts like this. So get familiar with how the mental formations affect us, essentially. One of my teachers, Sayadaw Utejaniya, uses this language. He says, for these, for these mind states, we should get to know their job description. You know, what do they do? Because that's, that's what mental formations are. They are doers. They are agents in our experience. So Sayadaw encourages us to get to know the job description of anger or uh, you know, aversion or frustration. And how does it, how does it shape our experience? So this is, this is getting to know the experience in and of itself. The experience of anger or aversion, for instance. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's experienced often in the body. So, and this is another, this is another important aspect of the mental formations. There's one teaching around the mental formations that is pointing to the shaping power of the mental formations. And it's, it says that the mental formations will shape our experience of all of the other aggregates. So when aversion is arising, it's shaping how the body is felt. It's shaping the feeling. It's shaping the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral quality of experience. It's shaping how we tend to perceive experience. So when aversion is arising, there tends to be tension and tightness in the body. That's, that's what's shaped in the body. Maybe some pressure, some holding, some tension, kind of a bracing feeling with aversion arising. So that, that's how the, the mental formation of aversion affects. That's part of its job description. Affect the body by bracing, we could say. So that's a piece of the experience of the mental formation. Then it tends to create um, unpleasant feeling. The arising of, of aversion tends to both create the experience of unpleasantness and, and in a way orient us to looking for unpleasant experience. So this is, this is in a way, this is, this is how it affects our consciousness. So it, the, the experience of, of aversion arising, and it's different for different people. So kind of curious, curious for yourselves, but for myself in observing how aversion shapes the mind, I notice that when I'm in aversive state, my mind tends to notice things to be averse to. 
So it tends to orient towards finding things to be averse to. So that's, that's kind of a filter then. The, the, uh, the aversion becomes a filter in our minds that kind of selectively, um, uh, creates the conditions for selective things to be pulled into consciousness. Consciousness is not a neutral process. It too is shaped by mental formation. And so, um, the aversion shapes our, uh, what we become conscious of tending, tending to have us orient towards things that we are averse to tending to shape that kind of, of in, in certain situations, it, it might shape other things at other times, but this is part of the exploration, seeing how does the, how do these mental formations shape experience? Mental formations shape our perceptions. So if we're averse to something, you know, that something arises, then, you know, it's like we, we, so for instance, um, if we're in a state of aversion and we see somebody looking at us, maybe they've got a funny expression on their face. And um, our perception of that expression is filtered through the aversion. You know, we don't know what's going on with them, really. You know, maybe they just had some gas and it made their expression on their face funny, you know. But but our interpretation of their expression, our perception, can be shaped by our mind state. So we might interpret through that aversive mind state, they don't like me. That would be how we'd perceive their their facial expression that that person doesn't like me. And so all of these mind states, these mental formations will shape all of the aggregates, including more mental formations. So when we are aversive, it tends to shape more aversion. I think we're familiar with this notion, you know, the more we cultivate something, the Buddha framed it, whatever we frequently ponder, that becomes the inclination of the mind. And so whenever we engage with a particular mind state, if we tend to frequently engage with aversion, it tends to make the conditions for us to engage with aversion more. So these, these mind states, um, not only to get used to be, to recognize the, uh, the mind states that create struggle and stress and suffering, but also to get interested in, to be curious about those mind states that are wholesome, that create ease that support our mind to move in the direction of happiness. And so mind states like love, patience, mindfulness, concentration, these qualities we also get familiar with, and they shape our experience also. So love, for instance, arising tends to to shape a a sense of connection um, with people. So more, more of a sense of, of that open hearted quality. It, it creates, it can affect our bodies, creating feelings of softness and openness. Probably shapes our face to, uh, have a relaxation in our facial muscles when we're experiencing that, that quality may tend to create pleasant feeling tone. We tend to perceive things from a less defensive posture, more from a connected place. 
So the, the, uh, the encouragement in the Satipatthana Sutta to get to know these mental formations. And part of the getting to know them is getting to know how they affect the other experiences of our mind and body. How do they shape the other five, other four aggregates? Well, how do they shape all five aggregates? Then, um, you know, also curiosity about how they come to be and how they fall apart. So that's another piece of what we can see. Um, it, the, the, the recognizing essentially the conditioned nature. This is a piece of the, um, instructions that encourage us to get to know that these qualities are shaped and what, what tends to make them come together, what tends to make them fall apart. So that's noticing the arising of, um, of a mental formation, what tends to create a mental formation and what tends to make it fall apart. So, um, and that is, is looking kind of at the conditionality around our mind states. So we can, we can start to see that as, as our mindfulness gets more continuous, sometimes we have an intuition about why something has happened. You know, we might not have directly seen it, but we might recognize, oh, wow, I'm really in this snit right now and realize, um, oh yeah, you know, that thing happened yesterday and my mind is still chewing on it. And so we can see that there's a connection, there's a condition there. So we, we have an intuition that there's the, the connection with the mind still chewing on that snit from yesterday and this kind of agitated state that's happening right now. We may not have directly seen the connection, but there's an intuition. But still, that's, that kind of reflection can be useful. But as the mindfulness gets more continuous, more, um, um, able to see moment after moment. And this can happen in daily life, probably more often it first happens in quiet sitting when we're, we're not doing many things. But I have seen this, this happen in the midst of activity where we can see kind of the mind kind of picking up on something. So seeing the mind uh, pick up on a thought and then start to think about it and begin to like move in the direction of a particular mind state. So seeing the mind pick up on a thought, um, recognize what that thought is about, and then remember how, that it's connected to other things and, um, and a whole host of um, conditioning shows up in that moment. And so, you know, just, just a simple memory arises and that memory connected with other things again that's conditioning that that memory arises connected with other things and then the mind picks up kind of a little bit of history in the present moment right like pulling history into the present moment and then responds to what is happening based not only on what's happening but based on all of that history and sometimes we can see that happening and then we can again recognize start to recognize the um the process nature of this. It's not me deciding to go down that rabbit hole to get into that mind state. It's a process that's unfolding. So this can be very powerful to begin to see how things arise and also how they fall apart. 
we can begin to see that the mind, you know, picking up on that chewing, that chewing or massaging or like, you know, chewing on that snit that was happening yesterday. If you see that the that's happening, that that's connected with the frustration, you might be able to redirect the attention to not be chewing on that thing and see that that's a supportive condition for the mind to be able to let go or to shift into a little less agitation. So this kind of exploration, um, hugely helpful for us because what we start to see too is as we explore our, our mental formations, we start to see which mental formations get us caught into struggle and suffering and which mental formations actually support our mind moving in the direction of ease and peace. Mental formations based in greed, aversion, and delusion tend to catch us into struggle and stress and suffering. Mental formations based in their opposites, non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion, or put more positively, um, generosity, love, and wisdom tend to move us in the direction of less suffering. And so that learning, when we as we see that, as the mind begins to understand greed, aversion, and delusion shaping stress and suffering, and non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion shaping happiness, our mind begins to orient the processes at work. These processes begin to recognize that's more helpful. Again, I don't have to decide to do that. The processes recognizing this, these processes lead to well-being. These processes lead to not well-being. Our system tends to choose the direction of well-being when it sees the difference. Now, it doesn't happen quickly, immediately. It's a gradual undoing of the, of the habits around greed, aversion, and delusion. But it does tend to move in that direction. So the last piece I'll, I'll bring in, um, one piece I've been exploring with the other aggregates is the simile that the Buddha used for the aggregate. Um, um, he had some very evocative similes that point to how we tend to get confused and attribute a sense of self or a solidity or a, a kind of a, a thingness to, to that, um, aggregate. And for, um, so just to remind you of the, the ones we've talked about, body is like a lump of foam, kind of a, a, like foam that's uh, churned up in, in, um, on the ocean where that, you know, you, on the waves, when the waves are really churning, there's the foam that's, that's churned up. So a lump of foam like that looks kind of solid until you like look at it closely. And then it just like disintegrates. Can't you put your hand through it, it just goes right through it. So body's like a lump of foam, feeling like a bubble, just a little airy bubble floating on the surface of the water there for a few moments and then just lingers for a few moments, but then pops. Um, perception like a mirage. Um, we spent quite a bit of time on that last time, that perception is what we are experiencing. Um, we're not experiencing what's actually out there, but we're experiencing a process in our minds it's kind of like a reflection of what's out there. And a mirage is, is like that too. It's like, uh, you know, like the classic mirage of water in a desert. 
is actually the reflection um, based on the heat waves coming off the desert. It's the, it's the, that the heat waves create like a mirror and what you're seeing on the surface of the, what you think you see on the surface of the desert is water, but it's the reflection of the sky. So it looks like this blue thing. So it's a reflection of something that's there and it's being misunderstood. And that's, that's very much what happens with perception, that, that what we are perceiving is a reflection of what's there, but we mistake it to be the thing that's there. So the, um, the analogy for, um, mental formations, it's a funny one in a way, uh, um, not an intuitive one for us, perhaps. Um, he says that perception is like a banana tree. And perhaps not many of us have, experienced um banana trees that don't grow in the this part of the country <laughs> so much um but i i actually did get i lived in in the south pacific for a couple of years so i actually got to know banana trees um and the image um you know banana trees they look like they have a trunk and they're called a tree um, and they, that some of the banana trees have a trunk, you know, that's three, four, maybe even five or six inches in diameter. And you can, you have to take a hatchet to cut it down. You know, it's not like a soft thing. It's really solid. It feels pretty solid and stable. It's, it's hard. You can knock against it and you've got to take a hatchet to cut it down. So it's a solid, stable thing. But then when you, you take the banana tree down, the the image in the suttas is is they say you unroll it you unroll the um the sheaths of the banana tree and what the banana tree is is like it's um it's a big leaf and then it's got a, a kind of a stem that comes down to a pretty wide base at the bottom that's got some thickness to it and so that base it's like you've got one base layered on top of another base layered on top of another base on another another one and so the, you, you can basically unroll the, the coil of the banana tree and you end up at the end, after you've unrolled it, you end up with a pile of leaves. There is nothing in the middle that is solid or stable. It's just this collection of, of leaves. And so this analogy for um, mental formations, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's got a couple of flavors to it that I find compelling. One is, um, again, you know, the kind of the sense of um, there's not actually a solid thing there. It is just a mental formation there for a little while and then not there. So coming and going so that, that there's the, the aspect of, um, there's nothing in the middle. It's just mental formation. But then the other piece of it is the layered or the the, the solidity of what, what, how we misinterpret um, the solidity of the tree is like there maybe is something solid in the middle um, or something solid in that tree. But then when you unroll it, there's nothing there. The um, The mental formations are kind of like that. They layer on each other. And we, I think we, we have this experience of, you know, um, different mental formations. Like when we have something that's really kind of bound up or a lot of struggle or stress in our lives, we, we kind of feel or recognize there's so many different layers to that experience. 
there may be fear in there and confusion and anger and frustration and and um, distress. I mean, so there's a whole bunch of different um, flavors going on, but it, it kind of feels so solid. And it's like that solidity of the um, of the banana tree, the layers of leaves creating that sense of solidity. And, and also, I think in our mental formations, layer upon layer of mental formation creates this kind of illusion of something there. And so the exploration to begin to recognize, oh, this. So sometimes I encourage when somebody's experiencing something really challenging, you know, you don't have to dig in and try to figure out what's in the middle or try to pull the layers apart, but just recognize there may be many layers. And so kind of holding the entire thing and and being aware, knowing what's happening, feeling into, oh, there's that flavor there. Okay, well, there's the, the, the frustration flavor in that state. And oh, and there's the fear flavor too. And there's the real hostility flavor too. And we see them as different threads or different leaves, different pieces of the experience. And that it's it's a layered experience, not one solid thing. And again, that begins to undermine the idea that 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 is a solid thing and that it is me. It is seen more just as the process of process of processes unfolding, changing, influencing each other reinforcing each other and another way perhaps that that image of the of the banana tree works is is that is that notion of for instance i said earlier aversion conditioning more aversion so when there's aversion you know you have some aversion and it conditions more aversion and then more aversion and it just gets like solidified the more and more uh, we, we the the pattern is strengthened. It gets to be a very solid, what feels like a very solid groove or rut in the mind, and it can be very difficult to see through it as just being a phenomena in the mind. It feels so solid and stable. So again, the exploration of being with, aware of this is what's happening. How does it affect the body? How does it affect the mind? begins to help the mind to begin to understand that it is just a process. It is not inherently who I am.